everybody, and welcome back to Writing the Rapids. I'm your host, Joe Balecki. This is the show where I talk to writers who have been recommended to me by writers who have previously been on the show, unless they have been on the show before and they're coming back for a rejoinder episode, which is what this is. This month, we have Mike Klein and Dan Hoy coming back to talk about their new book, Where the Sky Meets the Ocean and the Air Tastes Like Metal and the Birds Don't Make a Sound. Almost always, I get the author bios from the back of the book that I've read to prepare, but both Mike and Dan have only listed coordinates, so if you'd like to know more about them, just go and listen to the full-length episodes I did with each of them. It'll help my numbers, you'll get a bunch of content, and everybody wins. If you'd like to help me win even just a little bit more, you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe. I got three levels. Each of them is detailed there at patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe. I really appreciate it. We're to the point now where I'm kind of breaking even on buying books and paying for my web domain every year. So we're doing pretty good. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Mike and Dan. The thing about both of you guys uh, that comes to mind one of the things there's there's many things and the fact that you two would write a book together um makes an awful lot of sense to me and and we'll get into that but uh the thing i noticed today while i was kind of paging through it again was the brevity of the style but the density of the content there's a lot of characters there's a lot of place names there's a lot of references to very specific things um, like specific colors and models of cars um, and uh, things like that. So there's a lot of like, I don't, I don't know, sort of like world building by uh, bullet point almost. And I find that's a very interesting thing. There's uh, your guys' writing, Mike's particularly, is like the only place that I... I see a style like that so i'm interested in the uh i don't know desire to do that and and how that works for you like the actual process behind it i'll let dan start (laughs) yeah (laughs) so well part of it for me um at least to speak to the where you're talking about the density where there's a lot of characters and things and especially with the things they can have to me kind of a talismanic quality mm. that um, evoke or to your point about world building, they're kind of artifacts that evoke something um and i think that kind of world or universe that that we're working or building with something like this um it gives, yeah, it gives a certain flavor or nuance. There's like a a, a, a complexity to it, um, or a suggested dimension. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's not an actual complexity, but just a suggested complexity or a suggested dimensionality. Um, like maybe a holographic quality in that respect, where it seems very surface and um, like one dimensional, but it's actually firing off all these kind of different things uh, in your experience of it. Yeah, I mean, what attracted me to Dan's work so many years ago was um, literally he would have eight words on a page. No, no, nothing else, just eight words. But you would get a whole book's worth from just those eight words. And I was I was thinking to myself, this this can't be happening over and over. Maybe it was a one time thing. Maybe it was an experiment that he you know, he 
he he tapped into this thing that worked out for him and then he's never done it again so i started following his work uh through solar luxuriance um black ocean press and every time i would see something come up from him it was that same style but it was always a different topic or a different uh a different just a different mood and i i i had thought to myself that this you know this is incredible i have not seen anyone else do it like this and so consistently um, and you know what you said, Joe, I, I kind of do the same thing. I use more words, but I don't use as many words as others as well. Um, and it's kind of like what Dan said. I like to use um, words that that conjure feelings or memories without myself telling you what those memories are supposed to be. Um, and it takes a long, for, at least for me, it takes a long time to make sure that I get the pattern right for the story that I am trying to tell, because there is something that's, that there is a timeline, but at the same time, I, I do encourage the deviation, you know, go off on the tangents, but then try to come back to the middle. But if you don't want to come back to the middle, that's also fine. And I think that I would say, Dan, our styles are so different, but so similar in a way. Um, it's it's kind of like two sports cars. They're completely different models, but they both go very fast. So yeah. there's something similar there, but everything else about them, the way they look, the way they sound is completely different. Um, and that's what I was trying to kind of try to do. Because um, literally the way we wrote this is we said, write whatever you feel when you see what I write, and then I'll do the same for you. And if I feel like I want to delete something you said, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to ask. And we both agreed on that. Um, because we want, well, we kind of wanted to blur the line between where I begin and where he ends and vice versa. Um, and I think at least I, we were talking this morning, and I think I, I said that um, – I even I can't even tell where my writing is and where his writing is because um, because we went through so many iterations and so many versions and there'd be times where I wouldn't look at it for three weeks and Dan would be working on it every single night and then I'd come back and it'd be completely different and I'd be like what the hell but they're like this is great and I would go back to the first chapter and completely change it again um, there were a few times where you know we would have discussions and say well you know you know two versions ago I liked this particular word not even a section just this word can we bring that word back. And then we would talk about it for a week and then bring that word back. But it was a very fluid process that I think is very hard to work. It's, it's hard to agree to do that with somebody usually because we both have our own voices. And I just had a feeling that Dan would be into it. And he was. And, I mean, that's kind of how it just flowed out of us. Yeah, I feel like um, right away – so Mike approached me about collaborating. Um, and he's just like, I want to do something. I was like, great. And – and right away, we just clicked on establishing the parameters, which is essentially like process is what matters here. It's really about getting out of your own patterns and fusing and like internalizing each other's algorithms and then and then developing that in different ways. Um, and yeah, and like so so the output almost I mean, the output matters, but it almost doesn't matter because whatever is going to come out of it is going to be good, even if it's bad, if that makes sense. Um, and we both had that feeling, and so it was a breeze to work, and it was exciting. Like um, uh, I remember one time, it might have been just once we did this, where we were editing in real time, and I, I'm I'm a slow writer typically. Sometimes not, but for the most part, I am. And like I'll just work on something because that like you know a poem that's eight words, it's like it's usually a process of cutting down, like a a block that I'm sculpting down into like its foundational components where it can't be reduced anymore. So I'll take a long time with stuff. And I was <laughs> watching like, just in real time watching you just like, just spit all this stuff out. And it was incredible. Um, and I was just, I was like, wow, he's like, it's just like flowing out of it. Uh, so that pro so it was just really fun. And it was, it was good for me too. At the time I had gotten um, kind of locked into my own patterns and 
in that style I was doing can be very restrictive and challenging and because you're trying to summon a certain energy but distill it down and sometimes you're just distilling it down to where it loses that life and and so to so I was like game I'm like yeah I want something fresh coming in here I need to mix things up and and yeah and so you're more maximalist kind of style I don't know if that's the right phrase here but just relative to mine um was a total breath of fresh air and something that that changed my path moving forward too it was a really profound experience for me yeah, and I, I remember the mo we had several moments where we were editing in real time. And I remember you even commented on how many words I was putting on the screen and at, just at one time. And it, the, the reason, and I've said this on Twitter and told other people that I will write 10,000 words, but then only use 1,000 of those words. And that's what I was doing at that time. I was just throwing, because I was thinking, A, I'm going to come back to this in a week and delete most of it. And also, you're going to look at it and delete a lot of it. That, so I just want to throw everything out there. Um, but yeah, that's usually something that nobody sees because I am the opposite when I have the end product. It's very sparse, but um, the draft, because there are so many things going on, I literally have pages of paper just lying around me right now with things that I'm never going to use, but I don't want to throw them out until I write them all down and then just save it somewhere. Um, so yeah, but with you, I feel like you, you are doing all that editing in your head. You know, yeah. you'll have 50 words, but you'll say, I only want to use that one word. I'm not even going to write those other 49 words. So it was cool yeah. seeing that as well. Um, and you're right. I would watch you and you wouldn't write a thing for 18 minutes. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> Why is it just it, the, the cursor is blinking and he hasn't written a single thing? <laughs> yeah. I'm in like the half lotus position, like waiting for the, the word to drop out of the sky. Right. <laughs> uh, so did you guys have like a set... Um like rules or like structure to work within then um like i don't know the end goal is going to be this many pages or we have to have this many i don't know chapters or whatever i know there's not like specific chapters but it's it's grouped like in passages like that um, or anything of that sort, any sort of like hard and fast rules that you stuck to just to keep it focused? I don't think we did for this one. The, like initially there, we didn't even know what we were doing. Um, and then at some point when we were maybe, I don't know, a third or a half the way through what would be the final content, Mike was like, I think this is a detective thriller mystery occult thing or whatever and so he went back and revised something and then we and then we continued on knowing that that's what it was but i don't think we knew where we were going necessarily like we could feel it like we both had a sense as we would drop things create new characters have new scenes and then it just naturally progressed i think the third act i feel or if you want to call it the third act is is more coherent or co it's got a more linear drive to it Mm -hmm. And and once we hit that point, it was like, yeah, we felt we were wrapping up to a, a destination. But prior to that, it just felt like we were, it's like the characters were driving around, you know, going yeah. from place to place, changing cars, you know, and yeah. just putting on different music. Yeah, you yeah, know, I think, th I mean, this, I don't think people realize this was a very long process. I mean, this is, I, it, this has been like five years or more, um, yeah. because the very first year it was just, we were just sending books back and forth to each other. That's all that was happening. Um, and then, and then I saw your, your book, the deathbed editions at a book fair actually that happened here. And I was like, holy shit, 
Um, and one of the people from Black Ocean was there, and I was talking to them, and they had they brought up your name, and I said, I know who that is. I've actually been talking to them for a year and a half. Um, so that kind of solidified it for me. So that's when I reached out, and I, I think we literally said, uh, we don't know what we're going to do, but I was like, I, I just want to do something. So we yeah, we would just write things out. The beautiful thing about Google Documents is we can literally go back to the first day, and mm-hmm. it's completely different. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, Dan, I think it was one, it was just a full year of just writing whatever, and there was no sort of substance to it. And then... Um, I said, yeah, I think this is a detective thriller type thing. Um, but, you know, to answer your question, Joe, no, we never said we want, you know, 36 chapters or sections. We didn't care about a page um, count. We didn't care about a word count. Because for me, I feel like that's very limiting because then you're always thinking about that. Saying, I can't go over this and over or I have to meet this quota. I, I don't like that. And I'm not going to speak for Dan, but I think he works the same way. I don't think that that matters to him at all. Um, and then, yeah, I think once we got to the third act, we, since we had known what happened for the first and the second, and all these characters had existed and they had gotten to this final point, we kind of knew what we wanted to do. Um, because we, I remember the final stage when we were writing the last, I, I'd say 25 pages, I would write something and the next day Dan would write a full page and it would just, the sequence was just as if we had had an outline for this, even though there was not. Um, and then I would write the next page, then he would write the next page, and that just all flowed really nicely. Um, and I think it's because we had this whole history of building this world that we edited and deleted, but we had it in our minds, and it allowed us to get to that end point. But it took a very long time. I mean, this is not something that we, you know, brilliantly did in a week and a half, you know, because we're some types of geniuses or anything. No, this is this probably took longer than most people would be comfortable with. <laughs> yeah, and I and I do use very light structure sometimes um so it was it was liberating in this sense for this one because that was actually what i needed because what i was doing before is the only framework i was really using is i was putting out these collections that would be 33 pages and 33 fragments and that was the only parameter i set but i knew at that point i've got this bucket of content so to speak that i want to fill i've got a bit i've got a title and a vague idea of what i wanted to feel like and so then i would just write these little, like basically one or two sentence poems, but I'm writing a larger poem that those are a part of. Um, and so, so I would have an intuitive sense of the, the, like the narrative flow, even though it's not a narrative that I was writing, but mm-hmm. there's a, a narrative feel. And so same sort of thing, when I would hit like page 20 or something, at 25, I would get a sense, okay, I'm heading towards some kind of crescendo or it's like heading, it's deviating now to go to the end spot. So I've done that kind of thing before, but in very loose terms. Um, I would have difficulty if it was a stricter process where it's like this number of words and you know, like a Wilipo type kind of thing. I would, I would struggle a bit with. Um, but we did do we did another uh, collection or another book. Uh, we are the world. Yeah, and that had that was that was when I proposed because um, I just wanted to dive into that. Uh, so that you know, that single was released in 1985, and it was kind of this like touchstone moment. Like if you're picking out these moments from the 80s, it's like that and like Space Shuttle Challenger exploding in 86, and you know, there's a few things like that, um, and like the Berlin Wall falling. You know, I don't know, just these like zeitgeist type moments. And that one in particular, it always stuck with me. So I, I felt like exploring it. Um, in a, like a horror story almost, like almost like a baby universe to what we've just written. And so I suggested, yeah, let's try where it's like a, each chapter is one of the, the participants in it. Um, and uh, I think there's like 20 something soloists and then a bunch of people who are just the chorus. 
mm-hmm. the IMAC really is in the chorus for some reason. Um, and so that was, and then, but, but I was like, but when I proposed that, I was like, it doesn't like, but we should all otherwise have no rules. Like it can be first person, third person, second person. It could take place there or not. Um, but just like, yeah. So I, if I'm using rules, it's very light and it's just almost like a prompt to, to jump off of, but you don't have to like stick with it. Mm-hmm. And, and just to give you an idea of how loose that was, Joe, I mean, I came up eventually with the stupid idea of let's make this new a game because we were just working on this and, uh, you know, and I was like, what should we do with this? And Dan's like, I don't know, whatever you want. And I said, well, there's this festival coming up and it's literally 18 days away. I think we can do this. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was hell <laughs> because it was it was literally we were just we were spending eight hours with each other every day where I would say, Dan, can you do these because I have to do all this coding here. And can you just structure these so I can just copy paste? And it took forever. It, I mean, there's always a terrible side to game design and it was horrible. And I think it was just because I waited two weeks before the deadline. Um, but we finished it. We got it done. There were no issues. There were no it didn't break. It actually got, I don't know how we managed to pull it off, but it happened. Yep. Um, and, and, and it was there and people, 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 people looked at it and they used it and they talked about it. And we have, we got, what was it? An award for what? A ribbon for? Most, most bizarre. Most bizarre, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, good. We expected that. That's good. Um, yeah. And there's like, I think there's a YouTube video of someone playing it. Um, I think Mike, uh, is it Corral? Ka- Correo. Correo, he taught it in a class. I don't know if you if you knew that, Dan. I, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I found out about that for Eleven Eleven Press. Uh, he taught a class earlier in the year, and it was I think it was about digital writing or something about digital digital spaces. And one of the texts that was actually required reading, it wasn't optional, was We Are the World. That's fantastic. Um, we, uh, yeah. Dan and I, you and I went through it at the end of our full length. Uh, yeah. Back in the day, so people can go back and listen to how I chose. Uh, to go through things yeah but that was an interesting example of where we split to have kind of more specific roles in the collaborative process and like i worked i've worked as a project manager in the past um and so it was very natural to be like okay you're doing like you were doing the coding and then i would work on the content and then the qa the quality assurance after the coding and so it was and it was like this machine because we knew we had a deadline so it's like you kind of have to do that if you've got a deadline to hit. Um, and that was, so that was interesting for the collaborative process to move from this loosely organic thing to something that was um, you know, more strictly defined. And I felt we slid right into it naturally. Like there wasn't even a discussion about it. It was just like, I'll do this, you do this, let's go. Yeah, no, li- literally every morning I would send you a new version and say, go, yeah. through, go through all of this and you have until 4 p.m. Because that's, yeah, yeah. that's when I will start working on the next part. Yeah. Um, yeah so, and, and, so, yeah, yeah, so we had to re- rewrite it where we're splitting things off, creating choices. Um, yeah, and even even that was really interesting. Like you mentioned, Mike, like, where you'd, like you couldn't tell where your stuff ended and my stuff began and that kind of thing. Like there are lines that I know I wrote, but I look at it and I'm like, I didn't write that. You know, yeah. that, that happened through that process, through the revising when we created the interactive version, because I was just creating these little splinters and I don't know, it was, it was fun. It was, <laughs> it was fun. exhausting, it was fun. but it was fun. It, yeah, it was, the, the, the writing the, before the gaming part of it was, it was absolutely great. It was wonderful. It was just like everything else we've done. But yeah, the coding part, because I think I even told you, I said, I've never done this before. I'm just going to figure it out. Um, yeah. yeah. The first three days were just me doing my own experiments and it wasn't working. And then finally, I think on the fifth day, it just clicked. And that's when I was like, all right just start unloading everything on me and I'm going to start doing it. Um, and then I would make small tweaks. And like you said, since we were doing the, you know, two options for each thing, we hadn't implemented that in the original design. So we had to come up with new content as we were doing it. And, you know, I, I got to a point where I was offering suggestions, but then I was like, I can't think 
coding wise and also yeah. think creatively. So I'm like, I'm just gonna let you do the last twenty chapters. Just just go ahead and do that. Um, but um, yeah, I remember I went to a reading and I actually said, I, you know, we have these poems. I'd like to read some of these, and the reception was really great. Um, so I, I I would like to do more. Um, with We Are the World in the Future, in the sense that, you know, if I think about my mother, she doesn't use computers, so she will never be able to experience We Are the World. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to get it in a format or a form where she's able to get it if she'd like to. And that's just a, a weird abstract um, example. But um, yeah. I, th I think it was great, yeah. Well, the, you know, the choose-your-own-adventure format, you could just do that and just map it out onto a book, figure out where every page is, and label the tree onto onto page numbers. I'm curious, um, going back to the book, um, how the process went um, when you went to transfer books. Um, was there an editing process after that, or did he just say, yep, good, let's let's go forward? That's a great question. <laughs> I, 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 you can correct me, Dan. I believe he literally said it's I, there's nothing to change here mm. and we actually brought in the changes because he said yeah. he, he said this is great i don't want to change anything i've never seen anything like this um and then we kind of just sat around for a while because we were like we don't want to look at this right now we're just going to wait a little bit um and as it got closer to our final deadline for when we could make any changes then uh, we both started looking at it and we saw all these things that we wanted to change and a lot of them were just stylistic um, yeah like like this could be more esoteric or this this could be more abstract or this is too concrete things like that it's things that an editor wouldn't change because it's our vision mm. um it, it wasn't any no nothing grammatical or or typography because the, the great thing about transfer also is that you give them your stuff and once they accept it they do all the visuals um and then they ask your input if you have if you have any requirements or things you don't want in there you say that if you don't they'll just go with it um, so that was all um, Alvin, Alvin Fisher. He did all that with uh, his collaborators. Um, and then we had a trailer that came out. Um, so the thing that we both do is we like to make trailers or videos or short film type things. Um, so that was kind of an easy thing for us. And that also kind of happened out of nowhere. I suddenly said, I have an idea. Let's try this. And then Dan said, that sounds fantastic. Let's do this. And then I think a week later it happened and it was done. Showed it to Alvin. Alvin said, this is wonderful. Let's get this to social media. Um, and then we sent it out there, and it was all done. Um, but also every, blurbs, everything else, literally anything you can think of, um, transfer took care of. The only thing we had to do was write the book, submit it, give her edits, and now just you know sit down and do interviews <laughs> and talk about the book. Yeah, and the, and the object looks great. Like the the how they handled so the way the book flows, like before it heads head in, heads into that last act, that's like where the title appears, um, and they went. They like doubled down on that and had the, the copyright and stuff and you know what would typically be the opening sort of cover image all that happens like right there before you're heading into the end and it just it's like mike and i both looked at it and we're like yeah this is great like, yeah they, yeah I, it's like they got it you know? i completely forgot about that you're right because that that was a requirement we had we said because uh we said like those films where the title doesn't appear 30 minutes in yeah. So we want that to happen. And yeah, that meant we can't have anything at the beginning, including copyright information. And I thought that wasn't going to work. I, you're right. I, that completely went over my head because it was so seamless. They did it. And I was like, wow. And it does work very well. Um, and I don't know if it's something everyone's going to pick up on. Um, because when you, for me, when you see something that doesn't have a copyright page on the front, you're like, oh, this is just a DIY book, you know, self-published. <laughs> they, they, they forgot to put a copyright page. And if they think that, that's even better because then once you get to page 87 or whatever it is, boom, titles and credits. And there's like a two-page two spread of the cover. Um, yeah, 
thanks for bringing that up. I completely forgot about that. That's fa- that's fantastic because I, you know, one of the bummers about doing this is that I got to get books before there's objects ready, or it's hard to get objects, or I don't feel like asking for you know someone to send a twenty dollar thing off to me for free. Um, so you know, the, I was reading through it, and you get to page seventy eight, and then suddenly images appear, and there's a title, and I was like, oh, okay, well. That's fine. That's just a, a little mistake because ebooks are hard to do. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and now, uh, now I know that that was intentional, which heightens the experience. So thanks for for bringing that up because that uh, that makes my memory better. I have, I have had a misprint like that before one of my books where I was like, "What the fuck happened here?" Where it was like <laughs> the beginning was in the middle of the book, um, and it was it wasn't an advanced reprint. It was literally just this random misprint. Huh. In, uh, one of my books. Yeah. Well, you know what? Things like that are wonderful. I, if people think that's a mistake, even better. I love that. Um, and then for people who are in the know, so to speak, even great. You know, so I, I love it when there's a dichotomy like that, because um, it just it makes you. There's a question mark that appears above your head. That's I'm like that's exactly what we wanted. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean the whole the whole book is f- filled with question marks. I mean, both of your writing styles are are filled with question marks. It's it's very very much uh, a part of it um the uh the whole editing or lack lack of of publisher induced editing is interesting to me too have you experienced the same thing because you've you've all been published by like multiple houses um do you find that is that a common experience in the the indie writing scene that that people just take the book and run with it or is have you encountered people wanting things to change so i haven't i have not worked with the unless i'm misremembering but i don't think i've i've had many experiences with the heavy editing process um the only thing i really remember is so Deathbed Editions, it was actually Octopus Books uh, that put that one out. And I remember I was working with Zach Schomburg on it. And uh, and he had made this, you know, mo- it was just minor things he was suggesting. And I was either like, cool or no. you know. But there was one thing where he was like really adamant about. And I had this line where it was like, what happens on Earth stays on Earth. And he was like, I think it's cheesy. He's just like, cut it. You know? And so, so I was like, OK, fuck it. So I cut it and I rewrote something else that I actually thought was better. Um, I think it's like the line, like, ruin the life that ruins life. And I was like, that fit better, like, there anyway. But then, like, a year later, the book's coming out, and then uh, uh, the Kendrick Lamar, um, uh, there's the tra- the album comes out, and it's, and it's got this track where the refrain is, like, what happens on Earth stays on Earth. And so I almost felt like I had to cut it from my book so it could appear in this other, you know, this other form somewhere else. Um, but yeah, that's like really, that's literally the only thing I remember from any editing process. Like otherwise, I think it was pretty much minor. Hmm. Yeah, I remember you told me that. It's like, I think you let go of that phrase and it just yeah. floated off in the uh, the void and then yeah. he grabbed it and said, I'm going to use yeah. that. Yeah. And, we, and then I think we brought it back in the book because we, we had that discussion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I said, let's take that because it was yeah. your idea first. Yeah, we're going to reclaim it. So, yeah. But anyone who reads it is going to be like, they were listening to this fucking, you know, they ripped it off. That's, that's <laughs> funny. Did the, Was that the one that got him a Pulitzer too? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, okay. it was a huge album. And he was even going to call... I was reading about it. He said he was going to call the album that for a wow. while. And then yeah. eventually he changed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was interesting that that all happened. And, yeah. you, and this is the one where he got the most awards for. Um, yeah. 
uh, uh, but yeah, t uh, on my end, uh, I'm trying to think right now, and I think that for every single thing that I have published, I've never had an editing fiasco or issue, um, which is odd. But I also think that if you're writing something that's, I don't know, 100,000 words and it's 256 pages, then the expectation is there's going to be some editing there because there's going to be, you know, there might be a plot hole or there might be some inconsistencies. But when you keep it as brief as we do, um, and especially with all the editing that we do on our own, because we take away so much, I'm just thinking from an editor's perspective, I mean, what can you really, the only thing you could do is ask to add more maybe, you know, because how, how much more can you take away? Um, so I think in the sense that we, because there are some writers where they just write everything out and then they just send it and say, I will let the editors cut it for me, you know, and that's fine. That's a, that's one way to approach it. But I think I like the control where um, I know what's going to be in the text. I know what each page is going to say. I know what the cover is going to look like. I know what the blur, who I'm going to ask for blurb. So I like to do the whole process, whereas more, some people are more hands off. So I think because I start all my projects knowing that I want to, I know what I want it to look like in the end, that's what kind of glues it together and creates that cohesion that I think, because editing is all about making something look better in the end product, a better final form. And I always believe that my drafts are as close as the final form as we can get. Um, and I think that's what allows it to not be butchered through the editing process. Another thing is Ken Sparling is um, a writer that uh, I've, I've, I've been talking to for over 10 years. And he's taught me a lot in the sense of, you know, write 10,000 words and only keep 1,000 words because he does the same thing where his final forms are usually unedited because he's done so much editing. Um, and um, I, 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 keep in, I still keep in touch with him. And his style is just really amazing. I don't know if any of you have ever read his stuff, but um, uh, I, I think his most famous one was Dad Says He Saw You at the Mall or something. And it, it, I mean, a lot of this is like from the late 90s, early 2000s. And then he didn't really write a lot. And then he switched to poetry. Um, but he's also the type where he's more interested in his family life and his own personal life than becoming a writer, even though he was published by like big presses in the day. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, very little to no editing on my end. Hmm, that's fascinating. And I do have moments where, like, I'll feel like if I'm picking up a book or poems, it's like a mechanism. And sometimes I'll feel there's maybe a hinge or here or there that could be tighter or something that quite feel right. So mostly the feedback I ask for people is like, basically just like, tell me if it feels weird to you or off. And then if they say, if they point out something that I also think, okay, I need to address that. But it's like, that's that's mainly the feedback that I ask for people is like, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not interested in like detailed line edits or whatever. It's like, I just want your visceral reaction. Because if you're having a visceral thing, like maybe you're a little bored here, or you suddenly like there's like seems cloudy over here and i'm like okay that there's something going on over there that i need to maybe look at yeah that's a good point because i do have two friends from uh from way back in the day i always ask them to read my stuff and i say the same thing just your feel like if this yeah. is too long and you feel like it, you're not interested just let me know because then i can cut that but yeah I'm, I'm not interested in the grammatical stuff i'm like i'll i can figure that out i know i know how to do that don't tell me about that stuff just tell me how you feel about this and um what you think when you when you read that part and you know sometimes they'll just literally they'll highlight a whole paragraph and then just write down the name of a movie and the year of the movie. And then I'll watch it and say, I've never seen this movie, but holy shit, this is exactly what happened in this scene, you know, things like that. Um, and speaking of that, I just, you know, there's a, there's a show on HBO that I watched a couple months ago called the outsider. I don't know if you, you all, it's, it's a Stephen King it. thing. Yeah. And I'd never heard of it. Um, but it's funny because it's about detectives and the final, the final, um, the final, the, the finale, <laughs> they end up in a cave. 
they're chasing the bad guy and the bad guy is a supernatural being and they're in a cave and the whole sequence takes place in a cave and i'm like damn it now people are gonna read this <laughs> book and they're gonna assume that we took that from that even though we wrote the cave sequence literally three four years ago before this outsider thing even existed um and it's just things like that where I always worry that if you hold on to something like the Kendrick Lamar thing, you said you hold on to something for too long or you let go of it. And then literally year, a year or two later, it comes up in pop popular culture. You're like, what the hell's going on right now? You yeah. know, I had that happen last year, actually, uh, where I was. So I've been working on just over time. This like where I'm trying to create like a poetic catalog of every science fiction we've ever seen. And I decided finally to release like one of the years. And I picked 1984 just because it was the one that I had the most done for. And I was like, this is ready to go. But like, it's coming out. And then it's like the Wonder Woman 1984 movies yeah. like coming out at the same time. Like, people are going to fucking think that I'm just like. Exactly. And I'm like, no, dudes, I was alive in 1984. Like, I know. <laughs> right, and you've been talking about this for years. Yeah. 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 But I, the craziest synchronicity moment I had, I've ever had with like media, um, I was in college, this is when I was in college, and I was doing typical like total stereotypical college stuff. i was watching like after hours like martin scorsese's after hours and then i paused it and i was like i'm gonna go to a coffee shop and read and so i go to the co this coffee shop and i'm reading henry miller's tropic of cancer and then like and then at some point i'm like all right i'm fucking done with the coffee shop i go back to my place and i put the movie back on and like a few minutes later it, there's this scene where this guy's in a coffee shop reading fucking tropic of cancer <laughs> And this, you know, other character comes and approaches him and they have a whole conversation about the book. But I was like, that was nuts. Like, I just re I just lived these two different things that I was, you know, involved in. Like, I anticipated what was about to happen. That's like a moment from our stories there. I mean, yeah. there's no, you cannot explain that. There's no explanation yeah. for that. Well, it's like, yeah. And I think both of us work a lot on like anachronisms where you're not quite sure what's past and future or like what the set setting is. Um, and I think it's because of that stuff. There's just this awareness of time, like the radius of time is different than what we, you know, would commonly think of it as, you know, it's like the chronology of time is just kind of an illusion. It's not really the way we experience things. Um, right. Right. Yeah. You know. well, and I, even, I, even like, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, even, even like the interactive format, like a choose your own adventure book, right? Um, like a classic choose your own adventure book you're making decisions like the way you, so normally in life we're just picking one path and we're going right and so you can make wrong decisions and that kind of thing and in this kind of book like you're there's no wrong decision like the goal the narrative is not if you just pick one path you haven't experienced the story you have to pick every path and and so like i'm like oh this is actually more accurate representation in a way of how we experience time because we're experiencing all these potential paths along with the actual paths that we take and like all that has an impact on, on us and is like part of our experience of passing through time um and i think as well like having stories like that there's almost like a prescriptive element to it and that like these are for kids right it's teaching them like you know don't have any fear about the decisions you're making just like make the, the point is to make the decision and have the experience of what happens and like and to have it like to the name have an adventure like to have an adventurous approach to moving through time um anyway, i don't remember why i jumped off on a tangent but like but yeah so so but that's like i think it's just like both of us play around with time a lot like the experience of it and the, the setting of it well it's a it's it's an interesting point you bring up the whole of how we treat time and space and characters because this is a boring side tidbit but you know part of the there was a discussion we had with transfer books about 
usage of characters in other books. And it was basically, it boils down to, if you use any of the characters from this detective book, and it, it's considered a sequel, so you have to let us know that. And I said, no, 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 we don't. And Dan said, no, I agree, Michael, we don't have to. Um, and we, and it was like, explain, why, why are you both saying that? And it, it, essentially, it's that, you know, ever since we both started writing, our, our characters will reappear in different works. And we don't consider that, we don't consider any of those sequels or prequels. It's just how we, that's how we write. Um, so we all, we have the shared universe and, you know, because something happened in this book doesn't mean it can't happen differently in this other text or this short story or whatever. So we kind of had to explain that. And it was, it was weird to explain it because I don't think many people think that way or write that way or care about any of that. Um, but eventually we got our way where it was like, yeah. you know, or Daniel appeared in another text. It doesn't mean it's still the same Michael and Daniel from this text. Exactly. Yeah, and we're not like being difficult prima donnas. It was like we were just trying to be genuine about our process. Like we're like we actually mean this. We're not trying to be hard. You know, and and yeah, there was like a delay between the responses, like a three or four day delay. I was like, oh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. But then it did, um, because I think it 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 came across as we are we actually mean this. Because if you go back and look at our work, we're not just saying this. It is there. Um, And I've said this in other things that I've written up, where I always say it's always a shared universe, and things appear and reappear and, and disappear all the time. Um, so yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That's, I think that's an interesting side point about how we both work that is just, for us, it makes sense. But then when we have to explain it, it's like, oh, I've never had to think out loud about this because it just clicks for me.